Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world and welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watched Tonight and joining me from across the pond, he's the magic man himself, it's John Burke from BurkeReviews.com. How are you doing, sir? I am doing okay, sir. How are you this uh, evening, I guess, for you? Uh, it, is, it is evening. We've got the time zone difference now, so I'm one hour closer to JB. This is the time of year I love the most where I feel that bit closer to the main man himself. But um, yeah, so I get to finish an hour earlier tonight, which is always a plus, uh, but it's never a never a chore when we get to talk films together. Uh, yeah, no, I'm doing okay, though, my friend. Uh, not quite as busy as you in terms of working out and becoming the next Jonathan Majors, but I'm trying in my own way. Uh, what are we now? We're recording earlier in the week as well, so my whole timing's being thrown off. I have less to talk about what I've done this week because it's been less of a week, but um, it's been okay. Can't complain, my friend. Still trying to eat healthy. Still trying to keep those calories down. Uh, still trying to be like book. So other than that, my friend, nothing too much to report this week, my end, but uh, are you keeping Florida safe and well? Uh, yeah, you know, things are... We, we just returned from spring break, uh, spring so... Break getting back in the flow of being at work again. Um, you know, everything is, uh, always in flux and, and wild in a school because things are, you know, this is happening this week and there's field trips and there's this kid's not going to be there today. So you'll have to work with them on making up the thing. Um, starting, uh, it's the last quarter for this school year. So yep. starting, um, new uh new units were, uh, film one is studying Westerns. So I introduced them to Shane. We watched the first, uh, 25 minutes of Shane today. Mm-hmm. Um, film two is starting uh, melodrama. So in, uh started Casablanca, which is really, Ooh. I always love watching Casablanca. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, I had IB film. They had their first uh, assessments where I had to submit. So like the first thing I've had to like submit to another board to like analyze. So I had to hit that button today, which was stressful. Cause I'm like, I got to wait now to find out how it goes. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then we've got like two more assessments to, to still do over the next month. So it's like, there's a lot like a pressure cooker environment with that. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's just, everything's kind of winding down, but you're also starting like that final situation, you know, like I, we might do something else before the end of the year and not just Westerns and, and whatnot, but it's, you never really know how things will play out. Cause again, there's assessments and there's these things are happening. And then uh, I'm getting ready to be going to a, a film festival next week. So uh, I've got to get sub plans in order and things like that. So it's, it's just never ending. Um, so yeah, keeping Florida safe, I guess you could say, uh, maybe a little wild and crazy. So not all heroes wear capes, JB, and you certainly are one of them, but maybe tonight's film does certainly the titular character of tonight's film. If he says his own name, well, he loses his powers, but he doesn't even know what his own name is in universe. Tonight, we're talking about Shazam fury of the gods the sequel to Shazam. If you're new to the show, welcome. We give non-spoiler reviews on this episode of the the week's biggest or most interesting or sometimes only release. And we drop a spoiler-filled mini-sode on Monday or in a few days' time, shall we say, because we're changing up a little bit going forward in terms of releasing dates. But don't worry, you're still getting the same old BAMP goodness. So tonight we're going to give a non-spoiler review of Shazam Fury of the Gods. If you haven't seen it, don't worry the only spoilers we're really mentioned is the plot or synopsis or what's in the trailers. Don't worry about that. Now it's directed once again by David F. Sandberg and it's written by Henry Gaydon, Chris Morgan and Bill Parker. And it stars, here we go. Zachary Levi as our man Shazam, 
Billy Batson. Um, also stars Asher Angel, Jack Dylan Grazer, Rachel Bella, Adam Brody, Ross Butler, DJ Katrona, Lucy Liu, Megan Good, Juman Hunsell, Helen Mirren, Dame Helen Mirren, and Rachel Zegler. Big old cast there. What does the yeah. synopsis read? It says, The film continues the story of teenage Billy Batson, who, upon reciting the magic word Shazam, is transformed into his adult superhero, alter ego, Shazam. So we said we were going to give any spoilers and the synopsis decided to follow suit. Um, how is this one doing critically and com- and commercially and with the fans? Uh, critically, RT currently has this at 53%. Uh, and it is kind of fluctuating between mm, just sticking in the 50s and 55%. But currently 53%. Audience score though, John, 87%, which doesn't come as a surprise to me. Metascore currently has this at 48. The IMDb user score is 6.8 out of 10. And Letterboxd, this sits at 3.1 out of 5. And if you want to watch Shazam! Fury of the Gods or Shazam 2, you can have to venture out to your nearest theatre, multiplex or cinema to be able to check this out. It's not on any streaming services just yet. So... Uh, 53% of the critics are, in, are digging it, 87% of the audience there. The film is, mm, we'll talk about the box office more so later on. But for the first film, I, I enjoyed Shazam, the first film when it came out. I thought it was a, a breath of fresh air, especially in the DCEU, which at the time was going through its its most Snydery times, or mm-hmm. at least its most Whedon-y times. And it just felt a bit glum, it just felt a bit serious. And then along came Shazam around the time of Aquaman as well, just to add a little bit of colour, a little bit of levity, a little bit of fun to the proceedings. And I dug it. You know, I thought Shazam was a lot of fun, a refreshing, endearing superhero film, which was just unashamedly having a good time. Uh, what did you think, before we get into the second film, what did you think of the first film? Oh, uh, I one, I'm a big fan of the director, David F. Sandberg. Yes. I, I kind of fell into him before he got big. Uh, when, early in my uh, teaching of film, I was looking for short films and found Lights Out. So yeah. uh, I've kind of followed his career and I've been a cheerleader for him. And I also, um, he his YouTube channel, uh, which I think is Pony Smasher. That's also his Instagram handle. Yes, it is. Um, yeah. uh, he does a lot of DIY stuff. He's very candid. Like I remember for Shazam, the first film, he had a few videos where he was like t- talking about the visual effects and things he wishes mm-hmm. he could have done differently. And it was really cool to see a director being so candid and honest about their own movies. Um, but I, I also, I thought the first one was a lot of fun. I like Zach Levi. I find him charming. Um, he was really good. And as Kurt Warner last year in the, the, the football movie, I don't remember what the name of it is right now. Um, I tend to like him and, uh, I, I'm a I'm a sucker for surrogate family stories, and this is yeah. all about that, right? Like these are this whole idea is this this is a foster family, yep. um. So those type of stories usually click for me. And the first film I I really really enjoyed. Um, that said, I haven't really gone back to it though either. Um, like I was like, yep, good, entertaining. I, I like it. Uh, Mark Strong, you know, kind of <laughs> typecast, I guess, but I, I like yeah. Mark Strong. Um, you know, uh. Uh, for the DC films, definitely high on the list, right? Like it's Shazam's up there, top three, I think, for the modern DC movies for me. Oh yeah, I totally agree with you there, and uh, I haven't really, I haven't gone back to really revisit Shazam 
yet, but more that's more like we discussed on a last week's show where we're so focused on watching new films that mm. sometimes yeah. we forget to maybe sit down and think, you know what, I want to revisit that flick from a few years ago or from 40 years ago. Uh, and I remember really laughing at Mark Strong, especially his monologues at the end, and Shazam can't hear him. I was like, this is great. This is exactly what happens in superhero films and somehow they can hear each other from three miles apart. I love that they pulled that up, but we're now t- going to talk about fury of the gods, which already sounds a bit bigger and a bit more epic in scope than the first film. Um, so what did I think about this film? A lot of people online have been saying, do you know what guys, this film really isn't very good. It's terrible. It's awful. I didn't think that was awful at all. JP. I think this is a good film. Um, I enjoyed Shazam Fury of the Gods. I didn't love this film and I wouldn't say I enjoyed it more than the first film, but I thought it was, it, it kind of it played up to what I enjoyed about the first film. You know, it was fun if it wasn't necessarily hilarious and it's, I was going to say it's geared to, it's family friendly to a point. And I'll say that to a point about going into spoilers. There are moments where I imagine some kids might think, oh, okay, that's a bit too much for some kids, I think maybe, but there is a, there is a, bre- a levity to these films, which I enjoy about comic book films. And I know we're, pr- we're probably going to end up talking about the the volume of comic book films we get. But sometimes I would dislike a film which, yes, it's part of a sprawling universe, which, you know, this character may or may not be involved in going forward with the gun verse. But it's just nice sometimes to get one that feels a little bit more disconnected from that film, which isn't entirely, I will say entirely layered with setting up the next film or introducing characters or reintroducing legacy characters per se. Um, so I, if, to me, it kind of felt like a fun standalone adventure. Now, like I said, it's not the greatest film I've ever seen. It's not the greatest comic book film I've ever seen. It feels more comic booky maybe than the first film, but it also felt a little bit less, I don't know, like the, the, the focus felt a little bit more hazy here for me. During the middle section, I found myself... I found myself waning a little bit. I think it lost focus and direction in the middle act of this film. I enjoyed the the opening act, and I enjoyed the third act up until a point. But in the in, during the middle, it got a bit too meh, sort of ho hum for me. But that said, I enjoyed Zachary Levi again. I think he's very good in this role. I think he is well cast as someone who. It would be, I think it would be easy for someone to overplay this role more so than he already does, mm. and it could be a bit schlocky or sell the the kind of exuberant arrogance that the character has as you know actual arrogance. You know, you, you know that behind the bravado is just a scared kid, basically, and, we, and that's that comes across well. I never at any point thought you know adult Shazam was this leader, this kind of fearless dude that he really th- thought he was. I thought that was played well. Um, I think Jack Dylan Grazer is very good. Again, I really think yeah. he's a great kid actor. And I think, you know, I, but I think all the actors in this are, are good to a point. You know, there are not everybody. Yeah. We've got so many characters in this film. Not everybody gets a chance to shine as much as they want to maybe. But what I will say, JB is Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu. Damn. They, well, maybe one more so than the other. Damn. They're evil. But seeing, Dame Helen Mirren as a you know as a, as a villain who's chewing the scenery and having a good time, I, I enjoyed that. Lucy Liu was surprisingly terrifying at times as the villain. Rachel Zegler, I, I liked her, but I'm not entirely sure like where the characters 
arc story yeah. when yeah. Yeah, I can already tell where JB's going. But no, I liked it, JB. I, I liked it. There's, there's plenty of themes. It's thematically, there's some important things being spoken about here, like you mentioned, foster family or found family in terms of the mm-hmm. the, the, the Shazam fam. Uh, the, 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 the bullying is brought up, these, the themes of abandonment and things like that. So there is a lot going on it, it, under the surface here. Sandberg has given us, at first, what is just a very top-level fun film, but underneath that there are more serious things going on. Um, I thought the effects, for the most part, look pretty good. Um, the ending, oh, JB. Again, we don't spoil things here, so guys, don't switch off, but... I really wish they'd stuck the landing like I thought they were going to. I thought they were going to be bold, and oh. they weren't. And I didn't like it, JB. I I, I just thought it. I thought it sucked, and especially because I don't know where you know we're taking these characters going forward. I thought, yeah, what a what a great. And this isn't spoilers or anything, but what a great way to end this film to kind of sign off would have been a really, really, really kind of poetic way to have done it. But. Uh, we'll speak about that more so in the spoiler-filled review. But, um, yeah, no, there wasn't much. I mean, like I said, I think it dragged a bit in the middle for me. I think some of the characters, mainly Rachel Zegler, no fault of her own, because I think she's charming in the film. I just think yeah. her character is given short shrift, dude. Other than that, you know, a few a few gags fell flat. Uh, was it, I don't think it was, you know, listen, my final point on it was, yes, it dragged in the middle, but I wasn't really bothered by the pacing of the film, if that makes sense. I wasn't sitting there thinking, Jesus Christ. At one point, okay, so at one point, after about an hour and 20 minutes, it did it did slow down for me drastically, but not to the point where I thought, oh, God damn, this is dragging. So I enjoyed it, JB. Didn't love it, but it was perfectly serviceable. I don't really understand where all of the hate is coming from for this film, unless you can tell me where I'm, what I'm missing. Was that a pun when you said there was a dragon late in the middle? Um, I, you know so, what? Actually, it wasn't meant to be, but I am, I'm going to own that, yeah. even though it's totally in, <laughs> inadvertent. Um, so I also, I feel exactly the same way as you, actually. Um, oh, it, sweet. It's, it's a, I think it's a solid film. I don't think it's great. I don't love it. Uh, but I do think it's good. And I, I, I do think maybe this is getting some of the, the complicate. It is overstuffed by yeah. nature because it's such an ensemble cast and yet it's not an ensemble story, right? They have to give these other characters something to do. And sometimes it feels very like exactly that. Like we're, we're just coming up with the reasons for you to exist. And that's, I think I like how the first one ends with everyone getting powers. And I, I guess that's technically a spoiler. Although the trailer for this one shows a bunch of Shazam looking characters, right? And they all look great. Let's, let's say they, they you know, they, they look great. They're very cool, but, and there's no, even the movie seems to almost make jokes at the lack of rules of mm-hmm. the, like, we don't understand how any of this works, like why there's different powers or why there isn't different powers. Like it, it's just kind of loosey goosey. Fine. I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, I have fun overall with this movie. I think exactly like you said, is really good as Shazam. Um, even though, th- and there's a lot of like comic book level Easter egg jokes about that name, by the way, that I don't know yeah. if everyone is as familiar as I am with that, the, the legend or the legacy and cameo this character regarding the character. Yeah. And some things feel like they for like, I love, uh, Jijimon Hansu. I, I know I yep, just butchered Jimon his Hansu. name, but I don't think his character needed to be in this movie, <laughs> especially how the first movie Jesus yeah. introduced the character. So it's like, I, I liked him in it, but yeah, right. it's a stretch, it's, isn't it? I like him in everything, mind you. Like, it's not a yeah. criticism about him. It's just like, no, he's great. When you're 
cramming stuff back into a movie, it's not usually good. And I don't blame Sandberg for that. That's the one thing I don't, I don't feel like any of the issues with the movie is direction. I feel like it's writing and he's not a credited writer. Now, obviously directors adapt the screenplay visually. He may have had some influence on the way things like were flowing and, and what was there, but especially with a franchise, you know, uh, some of the stuff that's in this movie is probably not in either of their hands, like the writer hands or the director hands is probably production. You know, we need this to be in there. We want to reference this. And, you know, so I don't know who's to blame for some of the overstuffed things. There's a really sweet arc with one of the uh, the kids in the foster home who is also a superhero, but he has a secret outside of their secret identity. And I'm glad that they, like, when the secret comes out, everyone responds really, really positively. It's really, yes. yes. But it's also like, there's a look here, there's a comment there, and then it's this out reveal thing. And it's like, it'd be great if this was actually a major point in the movie, but it's, it's not because there's too many characters, right? It, it's, it's the nature of an ensemble cast, but usually when you have an ensemble cast, the ensemble becomes like a single protagonist, which each, each piece representing a part of a personality so that yes. you don't feel like it's overstuffed And this movie feels overstuffed because it's trying to give, you know, well, she likes Skittles. That's going to pay off. And it does. But it's a lot of like a lot of uh, shoe leather to get there, right? Like there's so much you have to do in these scenes that later maybe don't feel like they were necessary to pay off a one line joke. That again, not saying it wasn't great in the movie, but when you start to pull all of those threads and you realize that you've got a giant ball of yarn, it feels like characters don't get enough to do or uh you go, why is that character back when you already took care of that character before? And one thing that will always drive me crazy with sequels is when a character seems to step back into the same flawed character they were in the previous movie that was already resolved, yeah. right? Like Billy still is dealing with some of the same issues he was dealing with in the first film that I thought were resolved. And it feels like a fabricated problem rather than a problem he needs to deal with. Um, at times, small scale, like it's not exactly that. Some of it makes very much sense, a like a natural progression of the initial problems. Yep. But yeah, um, and you know, they have to do so much because we get an origin story for the villains. This is kind of the team's origin story too, because they just got the powers in the first movie. Now this is like, well, how do we use those powers? How do we work together as a team? But they don't want to do all of that. And that's, where I can see a lot of people are getting hung up on things. I was watching it just like, I laughed. I thought it was funny. Um, yep. I thought, you know, I thought Z Levi was great. I, I enjoyed all three of the villains. Again, I don't know if all characters are written well. <laughs> I don't think their motives are written well as well, JP. Like they're oh, very much what they are doing and the reason why. And I know, I know that the characters themselves have are conflicted about that as well to a point, but yeah. I was like, it doesn't really and, and and before anyone shouts, "Oh, it's a stretch! This comic film's not real." I get that, but you know, I That's was kind of thinking, like, "Yeah, this does this does feel like you're just trying to find a way to to get the band back together again." Yep, or pad the runtime, right? Like, it's like, well, yes. it needs to be two hours, so we got to have a a you know point in the in the plot where they will turn on each other, or this will happen, or this will go. A couple um, of exposition that, dumps as well. Jack Dylan Grazier is, I think, uh, like he was my favorite part of it, chapter yes. one. Yep. And I love him in both Shazam and this film. Um, 
like honestly, he feels like I mean, when you think poor Asher Angel, who is is Billy Batson, yeah, he's in the movie for like thirty seconds because Zach Levi is Shazam for the the bulk of this movie, right? Um, there's even a part where a character basically asks Shazam to turn into Billy for a minute, yeah, just I think so Asher gets some screen time because the poor kid is not there. Keeping in mind, all of the kids in this movie can transform. Um, I think only um. Rachel Beller is like both characters. I think she's the only one who is both yes, the uh, the Mary is and the Shazam version of Mary. Everyone else is a completely different person. But like, and given that Jack Dylan Grazer's character seems to be the most excited about being a superhero, um, you you don't you see him as much as you see Adam Brody in this film, right? Like you get yeah, yeah. Jack Dylan Grazer, you don't get Asher Angel that much, and so. Yeah. That's the curse of the name, isn't it? That you'd be forgiven for thinking, for not remembering at times that Shazam himself is is a man child, if you will. You know, he's it's an he's an adult, it's an, it's it's a kid who has yeah. you know be, who has been given these powers, which transform him into an adult. Whilst he is a superhero, you'd be forgiven for thinking that because, like you said, Asher Angel was he gets a few courtesy nods and lines here and there, just so we remember. Oh yeah, there is a kid, yeah. you know, there, but. Yeah, I hear you. I liked him in both movies. Like, I don't think he's like a bad actor or anything yep. like that. Um, but I do think Jack, Jack Dylan Grazer stands out, uh, both. He's just able to work in a scene, every scene he's in, like he kind of steals it. And I, I liked Rachel Zegler a whole lot in West side story. Um, she did an episode of blank check and I, she made me a fan of her as a person because mm-hmm. she's a film nerd. Um, She's handled even, the press tour for this film extremely oh well God, as well. Dude, uh, someone asked why she why she wanted to do Super Movie, and she like straight up said for a paycheck. And it's just yeah. like, yep, <laughs> you're the best. Um, she she just seems like a phenomenally cool person. Yes, and I think she's fine in this. I, I do yeah. agree with you about the character. I don't think the character is written very well, but I totally buy the chemistry between her and uh, and Grazier. I think that's the other reason why he gets to shine. He's not the protagonist, but he is, he's kind of the main guy. Um, He has the love story and he, he gets to be a hero at times. And uh, of the kid actors, he's the one who gets the most to do. Um, And I think it's great. I, I, Again, I think if it was when the first movie worked so well because the family was there, but for the most part, they were just around and it was it was a duo. It was a buddy comedy, right? It was Zach Levi as Shazam and Jack Dylan Grazer as his foster brother, who is the only one who knows the secret for a good chunk of the movie. And that dynamic works really, really well. Mm-hmm. And they kind of break up that team here and because he kind of is wanting to do his own thing. And I think that hurts the movie vibe i if this were a buddy comedy which just the two of them again i think it works easier i do like the other characters it just feels like they can't give all of them enough time to make yeah, them that's a shame and, and that's and again the movie's all it's already just over two hours mm-hmm. um but to, for it to be this low i i totally disagree i would much rather re- rewatch both shazam movies than any I, I don't want to rewatch Wonder Woman 84. I don't want to rewatch Justice League again. Although if I was going to, I would sit through the Snyder Cut before I'd watch the Whedon Cut. Oh, uh, yeah, same here. Ha- would you watch down. this film? If I said to you now, JB, listen, I've got two Blu-rays in my hand because we're keeping it physical here, guys, in terms of our media. You've got Shazam, Fury of the Gods. Or you've got Black Adam. But you can only watch one right now. What are you picking? 
Shazam, hands down, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, and we didn't hate Black Adam, did we? But this is this no. is much more palatable, much more entertaining. And I think, again, while I think there's problems with the story, I think the story here makes a lot more sense than a lot of the stuff in Black just, Adam. Just a bit. And I like how they they lent more into that kind of fantastical fantasy elements of this film, which for me made it f- kind of play the first film. I think they called it like superhero version of big, which is fine. Yeah. Uh, and this film, it, it lent on that, but it lent on the fantasy elements a bit more. So where I said it was fun for all the family, I, I do mean that too, for the most part. Um, I really felt that with some of the scenes in here, there was a kind of fantastical element, including a pen of all things, which oh. also acted as an exposition dump. Um, yep. And just like, like and, and some of the villains and some of the but things some they funny conjure. Bits. There's some funny bits from that pen. Oh yeah, um, well, especially with Helen Mirren and having to recite certain things and yes, and Lucy yeah, Lou. yeah. There, there are things that that's what I mean. The gags in this film are good. Not all of them land, but for the most part, they're very yeah. good. I think the actors sell some of the naff dialogue very well in this film um yeah there's not much again like we said there's not much i didn't really like it's just it just felt a little bit disjointed at times it it shazam felt a lot more focused it felt like there there was a lot more <coughs> excuse me the the entire package <coughs> oh excuse me don oh no um that drink went down the wrong <coughs> here we go again you know shazam oh, felt a lot more focused for me um, it just felt tighter. Everything made a little bit more sense. It lent into its kind of bizarre, bonkers premise a little bit better. Here, I think it lost sight a little bit of what made the first film quite charming, but not as not so much where I think, oh my God, this isn't the same film. I don't recognize these characters anymore. Hashtag not my Shazam. Um, I, I, there, are, there are story beats which make no sense, like you say, in terms of progression from the last film or just straight up bringing characters back who maybe why are they why the hell are they coming back for but overall though i i, I dug it for, for for the for the most part i enjoyed it um we always say you know don't put too much stock in numbers 53 percent to some might be 100 to others you know depends on what you take out of it we didn't hate this film uh have you got anything else you want to add before we move on jb uh, i don't think so um just you know the one thing i think we've we've said this and i think it's going to continue to be said comic book movies are everywhere. And I think a lot of us have just finally burnt out on it. And it's, it's, you know, it's not this movie's fault, but I do think it's maybe getting the tail end, especially after, you know, there's been a couple of good ones like black, black Panther, obviously really good. Right. But yeah, black Adam was a disappointment. I think most people were lackluster with uh, Ant-Man. And so when you take that into consideration and, uh, you uh, realize that this one's just kind of maybe getting the brunt of that, that vitriol, you know, people are just burnt out on them. So this movie's getting the hate thrown at it because it's a target. Um, Cause I, I don't think there's anything truly like wrong with it. It's, it's competent. It's fun. You know, it's not perfect, but it's there. And even for a DC film, it has, this is not, we're not going to say what they are, but it does have two stingers at the end of it. Yes, it does. Yeah. Um, which I only stuck around for one of them, though, to be honest. Uh, so I didn't see the final I, one. I, I, I did see both of them, JP. I, I, I made sure I stayed. To, I had some popcorn to finish, so I made sure I stayed till the end. And hey, look, we, we know the DC f- fans are always split down the middle. You're either DC or you're a store to Snyderverse. So 
you know, I, again, no, no judgment on this show, but there's always going to be that kind of division as well, which is, which is a shame. I think if it's like, regardless of when Shazam came out, I think if Fury of the Gods came out two years ago, I think he gets a higher score. I do as well. I think this is a, this is a fun effervescent superhero film in every sense of the word. You know, it is, yep. it knows what it is. It's not trying to be too serious. There's, there are stakes in the film that, you know, it's not quite um, a small town film, but it, it also has that kind of standalone quality for 90, 95% of the time here, um, which is what I enjoyed. And I get it, John, when you have a slew of films coming out in a genre, which maybe on as satisfying as the ones that came before you, you do lose a bit of excitement when the next the next one is rolled out because whether it's dc sony marvel or whoever there are you know there are a glut of superhero films coming out i i, I don't know when the next was coming out i think guardians maybe in about six five six weeks time there's no real time to kind of miss them and i really do think we need to start getting into that now where we have maybe two Marvel films a year. It gives us a chance to really want that spectacle, that event. You know, say what see people say what they want about Star Wars. They were releasing one film a year, or in some cases, one every other year. It gave fans or just people who wanted an event film time to build up to it, time to miss it, and without getting overly fatigued. And I do think we're at that point now with the with superhero films. Guardians might come out and crush it, JB. But then. Yeah. You've got you, then we want to hope that the Marvels and whatever the next DC film comes out and does the same. I want the super, I want the superhero genre to succeed, JB. I really do. Um, let's just see where it goes. But I, I, I'm with you. I don't think this film you know, really should be as low as it is because I haven't really heard. You know, I whisper this quietly, John. I haven't really heard any good reasons as to why people say they really don't like this. Not liking a film is totally fine, but. I'm seeing a lot of kind of hate towards it, and I'm not really seeing a reason why. So please let us know. <laughs> let us know why you hate the film, because like John said, it's not really an awful lot wrong with it. But we'll, we'll, we'll dive into Shazam! Fear of the Gods further in our spoiler minisode next week, and maybe we'll be able to dive into some of the things that we didn't like as much, or maybe praise the film a little bit more than we already have. But let's move on then to our next segment, JB, which... We simply call Chuffed Headlines here. John and myself, we pick a pop culture headline that caught our attention for any reason, and we share it with each other. We share it with all of you guys. JB, what have you gone for this week? So, uh, oddly, we we don't usually do headlines about the movie we're reviewing, but I couldn't mm-hmm. resist. Um, you initially sent me the tweet, if I'm not mistaken, uh, uh, yes. from the director, but then I saw the headline on Deadline. Uh, Shazam Fury, the God's director surprised with film criticism reveals he's definitely done with superheroes. Um, David F. Sandberg is the director, as we've said. And again, I've mentioned that I'm a fan. Uh, he went on a, a, tw- a Twitter uh, thread and um, I won't read all of it, but I'm going to read the first one. He's like, just to be clear, I don't regret for, for a second making the Shazam movies. Mm-hmm. I've learned so much and gotten to work with some truly amazing people will forever be grateful. But he ultimately says he wants uh he didn't. He was surprised that the the there was so much hatred, and also that um, he really wants to go back to horror, which is where he Woo-hoo. started. You know, lights out, and a lot of the shorts that he puts out on the um, on YouTube are horror based. Him and his wife work together a lot. She's a producer. She's also has a cameo in this. She's driving the car that's playing uh, "I Need a Hero" um, <laughs> that he catches before it falls. 
and then uh he has a cameo in the movie as well um and it was fun for me because I know them because I, I'm a big fan of both uh, him and his wife because she's she's the star of Lights Out the uh, the short and then she has a, she's in the opening sequence in the the feature film version. Um, mm-hmm. So it I've always appreciated him and his candidness and I I I think the way he approached this he didn't seem mad he didn't even seem hurt to me as much as like generally kind of surprised that there was so much uh, dislike and and dis, um resentment about this film um and i just saw i went down further in the article rachel also tweeted about it and said hey our film is actually really good but mostly i just absolutely love making it and the people i met whilst doing it she, total class act is zegler by the way like just can't yeah. stress that enough um so i thought i'd bring it up just because like you said we referenced it we talked about the rt i i don't think this movie deserves to have so much uh resentment towards it i think it's quite fun I, I think the cast is great. And again, I would, if, if this was, if the criticism stopped Sandberg from making movies, I would be upset because lights out is great. Like as a horror film, I think it's very, very solid. Annabelle creation or I dug it. It's the best of the Annabelle movies yes. at the least. And it's the most competent. Um, and I Shazam is one of the best DC films. And I do think Fury of the gods is still one of the better DC films. It's not, uh, I think now, I would put Suicide Squad as James Gunn's Suicide Squad. But I also would point out that that doesn't feel like the other DC films. It feels like a James Gunn film, which is what maybe yeah. now <laughs> we will expect to see. But at the time, it didn't feel like it was in the same universe as those other DC films, even though it has Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. And um, the rest of it feels very, very different, um, which is the confusing part, which we can't talk about until spoilers. But yeah, um, <laughs> uh, I, I don't I I you know we had we had the uh, article a couple weeks ago I think it might have been last week or the week before about with Seth Rogen um, and critics being too harsh on films yeah. and then to see Sandberg and Ziegler uh, tweet out about this it's like you know and, and there's so many of us now like film criticism used to be your local newspaper guy. And then the few who were big enough to be all over yes. you know, broadcast Leonard Malton or Cecil and Ebert um, and a few others who were like big like that. But now everybody can be a critic and everybody kind of is now granted, not the RT score. That is a select group of people, uh, <clears throat> our podcast included. And thanks to Matt. Um, mm-hmm. But it's still like that, that number is limited to a select few, but still, I think more than it would have been in the old days where you would only hear a few opinions. You hear so many opinions. And again, some critics look to tear down. Yep. And others, I think we comment on why it didn't work for us. And most of what I say, most of my hopes is if it ever gets back to them, it would be considered as feedback more so than, harsh you know an attempt to hurt them or make them feel bad um because you know sometimes you it it looks like it's going to work on paper or you uh maybe it did work in the initial filming but when you get to the edit you you cut something out or something gets left off or you forgot to get coverage of something and so it doesn't quite gel the way you thought it was going to that definitely happens and a, a lot of people say this but most filmmakers are not setting out to make something bad. They're trying to make something they think is going to be entertaining and good. And maybe we shouldn't get so mad if it's not, you know, maybe we shouldn't be 
so offended if it's not good. Um, it, and I, again, I am very guilty of having ripped into movies for, for upsetting me even, you know? Um, and there are certain actors who annoy me and I can't get into, but <laughs> I, I try to always remember that they are people and that they, they deserve to be, you know, treated with respect. And uh, again, when you see someone being a class act like this, uh, where he didn't attack anybody specific, he wasn't overly yeah. aggressive. Um, and also very honest that, you know, he did this, he's not upset that he did it, but he's also like, this is not the, the area he just wants to spend the rest of his professional life in. And I think that's cool. Um, you know, I'd like to see him do other stuff. I, I actually think he could do some really good comedy, uh, as well, but maybe he'll do the next like amazing horror comedy, which is a genre that I adore. And when it's done well is, is a top tier thing for me. I'd love to see him make, you know, do something cool like that. I hope he gets to do another original property though. That is, he hasn't really got to do an original story since lights out. Yeah. So I'd love to get to see him like not just do a, a, a sequel, although again, made arguably one of the best or an existing IP inside a franchise. I'd love to see him get to do something. Like, I hope we don't hear that. He's like, oh, he's remaking American werewolf in London or something. Yeah, like that, no, know? please not. Um, so, uh, but yeah, Matt, again, you technically turned me on to this, um, article, but, uh, any any thoughts? Yeah, no, I think you pretty much summed it up there, JB. Um, what what's even worse is that good old Reddit took this story and spun it, and Sandberg also reacted to that. Where the Reddit headline was David F. Sandberg blames the fans for Shazam 2's box office failure, or disappointment, or critical lack of critical success. And you know, he even responded to that and responded to that in a tweet by saying, you know. Even when you say something in the best intentions, it gets spun. So you know, don't believe everything you read. Um, yeah, no, I the I didn't read it as anything other than a a filmmaker saying I've had an absolute blast playing in this playground. However, I want to do something a little bit smaller, a bit more personal. I, I can only imagine what it's like to make a huge blockbuster superhero film in the Marvel or DC banner with the scrutiny of the studio, the scrutiny of the fans. The shareholders of early wanted you wanted to make that bunce. Um working on huge sets, working with huge demands, big big actors. I don't blame him for wanting to go back and doing something a little bit smaller or maybe even a bit more of a personal passion project for him. Well then there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Because like you said, he didn't trash the film, he didn't trash the fans or anything. It's a very classy yeah. um yeah. way to bow he out. Didn't talk of trash genre. about this the studio or gun or, or saffron all, yeah. or anything no, like that. It nothing was... at all, which, which I respect that. And look, D- David F. Sandberg is a, 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 as a Swedish guy, I'd love to see him make some of that odd Scandinavian horror that comes out of that continent, man. I'd love to see a low budget film um, set uh, in his homeland. That would be great. But Annabelle creation was one of the only good things to come out of the Annabelle or conjuring franchise in recent decades. Um, and the lights out was a very, very cool uh, original project built from his own short film guy's got a good future ahead of him he's he's put his a marker in the sand now with these films uh, it's a shame that shazam t- fear of the gods hasn't as of yet performed as well as it is tracking to or at the studio hoped but listen I, I i like the candidness i like the honesty refreshing honesty without being an idiot and blaming anyone else there is no blame attached to everyone it's just a guy saying i've had a great time but now i want to go back and do a different genre 
there's, there's literally nothing wrong with that JB and the way it was uh, the way it was written the way it's portrayed by him was I think it's a very cool thing to do as well and you talk about manager expectations that's the best way to do it as well just just put it out there for everyone to see that if there is going to be another Shazam film in some form good luck it's not going to be me doing it but I'm you know I'll be there cheering from the side so I thought that was very good JB uh, I've, I've got two headlines but what what the second one's kind of a one I was more going to throw to you, but also just to break up the shazaminess of it all, I just wanted to throw yeah. in the the breaking news that kind of dropped today. We say breaking news. Uh, it was that Dwayne Johnson, he's now getting the blame for Shazam two failing. So Sandberg is, you know, he's according to Reddit, Sandberg's blaming the fans, which he clearly isn't. Now, according to uh, according to Screen Wrap, or it's actually Screen Run, the rapper actually reported on this. They're putting some of the blame at Dwayne Johnson's feet because they're saying that the the Black Adam star reportedly vetoed ideas that would have seen Zachary Levi's Shazam cameo in the Black Adam's Black Adam post credit scene, or the idea that Justice Society characters would appear in Shazam: Fury of the Gods in any way, shape, or form. Um, uh, they go on to say the Rock reportedly wanted the DCEU to revolve around revolve around him and Henry Cavill's Superman, and that Shazam was not part of his plan. I mean, I don't know if he's ever read any of the comic books. Even I know that the two of them are yeah. linked, in, in, intrinsically linked. But uh, apparently, again, this is this is unconfirmed. This is rumours, if you will, hearsay, but you know, a lot of people are running with it, so this might be rubbish. But apparently, JB, Dwayne Johnson said, you know, I don't want anything to do with Shazam. You know, it's me and the big guys, me and Superman. That's the way it's going to be. And, you know, Black Adam and the Stinger, which is now didn't age well, would have said that as well, that this is the way he wanted to go. So apparently, JB, J- Dwayne Johnson has the power, you know, the power, hierarchy of power is going to change in DC and it did against him. But apparently Dwayne Johnson said, I don't want to be in Shazam. I don't want any of my team in their film and I'm not going to be in their film, and I don't want, you know, we're not having this crossover between two characters who are so linked. Um, you hear this, JB. What are you thinking about, firstly, the legitimacy of this, and if true, it's a bit of a, it, it's a bad look, I think. I mean, it it doesn't seem completely out of the realm of possibility of being true. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um, we, you know, and... I, the Rock is a weird film history because a lot of people seem to like they like to work with him, but he's obviously butted heads with some people before, and he is very much about his brand, right? Like, yes. Oh yeah. Above all else, and Shazam, I don't know. Like, yeah, when they initially said he was playing Black Adam, I always expected him to be with Shazam. Like, he yeah. has fought Superman in the comics um, because Superman's vulnerability is magic. Like, magic can get yes. through all of the Kryptonian stuff, and I feel there's a scene you kind of see it in the trailer that uh, Shazam's suit gets damaged, and there's a part where it's extremely damaged, and it's basically the Black Adam suit, um, not in a direct way, but it's like, oh, that looks like a black suit with a, yeah. a yellow lightning bolt. Yeah, I I think that was a nod to Black Adam. Um, it doesn't make any sense that it's not involved, and it should have been. It would have it would have made so much more sense that rather than trying to introduce a new villain, if Shazam and, and uh, mm-hmm. Black Adam fought off against each other, they didn't set that up in any way in the Black Adam movie though. So it yeah. would have felt kind of out of left field. Do you remember when the rock was 
cast or officially announced as Black Adam. Obviously, this has been on on the burner for years and years and years and years now. But I remember when we first kind of really saw Dwayne Johnson decked out in Black Adam gear, and people were saying how is Shazam going to beat this guy? You know, that was a kind of like the fun rhetoric online when the internet can be fun. Now people were giggling, but like, how we you know this guy is going to absolutely destroy Billy Batson. Look at him because that was the assumption that these two classic hero and villain act are going to go at each other in the films. And how cool would it have been if black Adam was introduced as the bad guy in in this film, maybe in fear of the gun, he is a bad guy in this film and he is a badass. And then when he goes into his own film, they can start to play around with what's, what's underneath the surface and give him that arc rather than what we saw on black Adam, which is quite quick. Surely that would have, for me, that would have been better development for the character and less, I don't want to, you know, I like you, I don't want to put people down or, or attach labels, but maybe less egotistical to put the, the, the cinematic universe ahead of, you know, your own passion product or your own desires for the character have, have, yeah. have a direction for where you want the character to go, but not, not at the expense of the story. And I think that's what's happened here. Well, I, I think that's kind of indicative of the DCU though, right? Like it's never felt cohesive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even the movies that should have felt cohesive, never felt cohesive. Um, and like you, you get a little bit of that with Marvel where like, well, where was so-and-so during this thing or whatever, but this particular problem feels like there's always just been this push and pull of what's happening. I mean, the existence of Joker before now they've established this whole setup where there's these outside one shot movies, like the Batman and Joker, uh, Joker, whatever the sequel is called. Um, Foley adieu. But that was all clearly after the fact, right? Like that was not the, no one knew what was going on and that's been the problem. I think the biggest problem DC had pre James Gunn was that they had to do a, a franchise or a cohesive universe rather than just doing standalone films, because had they just done standalone films, we would have all probably been fine with it. Um, Like, Oh, they're not doing what Marvel's doing. They're, they're just making a one shot film, which probably is better because like, okay, Batman, excellent movie 1989 batman right most people yeah. love that movie even if it doesn't hold up or age as well as we would like it we loved it many people like returns i don't but that's only because i find penguin to be so disturbing oh, I know. Batman, batman forever batman and robin generally not loved superman the original 80 what 79 80 donner film mm-hmm, people yep. love it still um but no almost nobody likes two three or four of superman right like maybe comic book movies should just be one and done partly because the biggest problem you run into is either you have to make them so, so fast because the actors will age out of the role Mm -hmm. or you have them so far apart because you're making so many connected movies like Ant-Man and Ant-Man two, and then Ant-Man three are what several years apart. Yeah. Because you're doing so many characters and because they're all connected, it doesn't make sense to have you know Ant-Man every two years or whatever. So it's like, maybe we just need to do one good story. Like, I was thinking about this yesterday, and I think this is a collective problem with uh, film right now. And I blame TV because TV got too good. And yes. so many people like TV over movies now that movies are starting to try to be TV in that they mm-hmm. are serialized, right? Yes, movies used to be one thing and it was done. And yes, sequels existed before TV was as popular as it is, 
but they were they weren't it didn't feel like an obligation or an expectation outside of maybe the horror franchises of the 80s right where the slashers became the thing but even then not all of those had the most most of those are bad links yeah yeah, and th- and they're loose for the most part, right? Like the rules change, and no one cared because you weren't there for that. You were there for the monster. You were there for the creative kills. That I think is the biggest problem: is that we are trying to make something so expensive serialized, and you just can't because TV has a different vibe. It's it's short yeah. storytelling. It's usually smaller in scope. That. You know, movies should never try to be TV. They should be two separate and adjacent things. If you feel like a story is better told in serialization, it should be TV. If a story can be strong and stand on its own one shot. And again, within reason, two or three sequels, but think like what Marvel did should not be replicated and no. probably can't be it's it's it took the words crazy. out of my mouth there jb i was just thinking this when you were saying that it was just it was on the tip of my tongue and i was going to just blurt it out what what feige and the gang did with the infinity saga of the mcu will never be done again it was a freak a damn good freak accident and I, you know that everything everything came together when it needed to even things like schedules actors aging actors you know still staying on this mortal coil of ours everything coalesced together to make this lightning in a bottle type situation which gave us infinity war and endgame these fantastic ends to what was a huge running saga but then in between that you got films which could stand alone to an extent they weren't quite so you know further on maybe but they weren't quite so crushed with the weight of setting things up you'd have a hint here and nod here all that would be in the stinger you know they still focus on giving us good films and i think that's mm-hmm. been lost a little bit into in to the point that you're saying is that now everything is so which is my biggest problem with that man um and even dr strange is that everything's so focused on setting up the next thing you lose sight of what it is you're doing at that time and with that, the QA goes out of the window, you know, and I, I think there is a massive, massive problem there. So I think, uh, I think what you're yep. saying is bang on. Yeah. And I, you know, uh, yeah, I, I got nothing else to add. I, I think I said, it's been something I've been thinking on for like the last 24 hours though. And mm-hmm. I really, you know, I, I long for the days. And again, why I think a 24 has been so successful and so many of these indie studios for us, especially why those, they end up being our favorite movies is because they're original and they are done. Like when the movie ends, you're not expecting more. Like it is, this mm-hmm. is great. This is lived in. And I don't need to see anything else because I feel like I got, I have true catharsis when it's over. I, I am satisfied. I am satiated with everything Ooh. everywhere all at once, for example. Um, and I don't need more. I'm not opposed to the opportunity Ooh. if there's a story Tony to West tell. And the X films, but they yes. still focus. So yes. the two we've got still focus excellently, excellently well yep. by themselves. And they right. really do. They truly do. Like you, you don't have to see either one of them like you can see pearl and be happy with pearl never bother to x or you can watch x and and just take this is what happens i don't need to know where pearl came from yep. and even with maxine i'm excited to see the continuation but it didn't feel like i need to see the continuation you know what I'm like yeah, yeah, pearl, like x ended i get that story um what happens next is going to be interesting i hope but it's not essential i think in the same way that you feel like 
you're not getting the whole story in a lot of these superhero movies. You're getting these forced cliffhangers or these, uh, the movie spending so much time setting up the other movies that this movie feels like it's getting short shrift. And that's not really the problem with this, the film we've reviewed today, but it is kind of the overall problem with the DC movies is that they always have to feel. And in fact, some of the worst scenes in Fury of the Gods are the things that are trying to pull in the other elements of the DC universe. Yeah, no, I'll go, I'll go along with that hundred percent JB. So we'll, Hey, look, we're getting a reboot of the DCEU, the Gunverse. So let's see what they could do with that. We've got a clean slate. Maybe we'll be made to eat our words, JB. Maybe we can have a, an excellent collection of films that do connect up into one big event once again. But I'm just happy to get films like The Batman to an extent, yeah. Joker as well, where they are. I know yeah. we're getting a sequel, but even with that film, that is a one and done film. I know the yeah. sequel is going to expand You're on correct. it. But you don't you don't need it, if you know what I mean. And I hate that phrase, but you they they did works. not they finished the story they were telling in the Joker. It doesn't exactly. feel like it's a setup movie yet. It's just that nobody expected that film to make one billion dollars, not one I person. Still hate that it did, but yeah. Um <laughs> Hey look, we get Lady Gaga as Harley Quinn, so I dig it, man. But um I, I said I've got two. I only wanted to throw this one in quickly, JB, just to change tact a little bit from what we've been talking about. Yeah. And it, it, it went to um, Jenna Ortega, her comments recently uh, about Wednesday, you know, the show, you may have heard about it, but um, she's been doing uh, interviews, this one was with The Times, and it was about the dance, the the viral, iconic dance, as some people have been calling it now. But she said that, it, you know, that the fact it's gone viral in the first place shows the limitations of virality. Um she was saying, I, I, I was hoping people wouldn't pay so much attention to that part. It's disorientating. I don't think people are naturally designed to have that many eyes on them. And this is the dance she's talking about set to uh, Goo Goo Muck by, by the Cramps. But they're saying that the whole point of th- the dance is that you know, she's not being taken seriously by, by her peers in, in, in the series. And at this point now, she's finally allowed herself to be herself despite everybody else at the dance whether that be gwen whether that be tyler or anything it's not about creating something for tiktok um but that's what it became even with attacks on lady gaga's song which isn't even in the uh, series um i am going to be a, um, a bit naughty jb and quite say frankly say i can't stand any of the recreations of this dance i cannot stand oh any, because it, they are none of them the the this original one i mean i i've seen the episode not the series fully but and i and general ortega herself said majority of it yes it's choreographed but the majority of it was also just kind of it's feeling you know i just you, you do what you feels right at the time and i don't i don't get that from any of the recreations i get people staring very hard into the camera but trying to recreate something which you're not you, you just can't do they look good you know everyone looks good doing it but it always comes across as a bit forced to me, JB. Maybe that's just me oh. getting a bit older and not always vibing with the latest viral trends. But um, so just about the viral trend side of it, um, General Ortega, superstar in the making or made superstar. She's saying that, you know, the fact that it's gone viral shows the limitations of that. And the dance was never about that kind of expression. It was more about, you know, this just the inner expression of his character finally being able to come out. But, um, what did you think to her comments when I've just read them out? Um, 
I mean, it's an interesting point. Uh, taking anything out of context from a big story can alter its meaning, right? Like, it's, I yeah, think, yeah. an important lesson on context and watching something in its entirety. I've only ever seen the dance. I haven't watched the show, you know? Um, I've seen her clip. Uh, the first time I saw the clip of her dancing, though, was not to the song from the show. It was to <laughs> Lady, uh, the a variation of the Lady Gaga song. Lady Mary, yeah. Um, which I don't remember what the variation is, but it's like an up-tempo version of the actual song. Because Gaga's version is very slow. Um, yes, it's great. Yeah, I like it for sure, but it's not what I initially heard it with. So my whole perception of the dance was different because the song was different, right? Yep, um, exactly. And that's, and that's what he's saying is that people who are coming into it just from the TikTok dance or whatever will expect this kind of quirky show or Wednesday to be you know, aligned more to what they've seen on these viral videos when actually that's not at all what the character or the show's about. Yeah. And again, like, I think it's all been done out of love, but I I think she makes a solid point, which only makes me like her more as an actress because she is very clearly a student of the craft, right? Like she gets storytelling. She gets uh, the point of acting is not just about the performance. It's about the overall product. Yeah. And if if she's feeling that the product is being harmed, that's that's disappointing. But I also, again, I don't feel like she's saying like shame on you for making it Absolutely go viral. Not, just, yeah. just say me. you know, it, it <laughs> maybe watch the show for the show, not because you saw the the funny dance on TikTok. You know, yeah, no, I hear that, JB. I, everything she said in recent weeks, I've loved, especially when she said she she lobbied or put her foot down for certain things to be taken out of the show because it was totally against the character of Wednesday. I love that. And I know a a few people got their backs up about that. And I thought, what is wrong with that? You know, somebody who wants to, who understands the character wants the best for the character and the show. uh, So we don't get these wildly out of context moments. I think that's a great thing. I don't think it's anyone throwing their weight around. I think it's a, before an actor, doing what they should be doing and that's putting their all into a character so um i'm here for it jb i dig it i dig the dance as well the original i will say that um right let's move on jb what have we been checking out this week in our next segment media consumption it is the films tv shows film uh, uh, streaming series video games music podcasts that aren't ours comic books Whatever it is that we've been using to pass the time since our last episode, we're going to share it now. JB, what you been checking out? Well, as per usual, uh, Blank Check Podcast, they dropped the Sunshine episode of um, mm. the Danny Boyle, Danny Boyle franchise. Um, I, I've i only seen that movie once, and I did do a podcast about it uh, several years ago with Corey over at Movie Club. Um, I, I had... I don't remember exactly how I felt. I think I, I only kind of liked it. I wasn't um, a huge to, fan first time. Listening to them, I was like, maybe I need to rewatch it because they really were raving about it. Um, and I liked elements of it for sure, but I think the ending didn't really work for me if I remember correctly. But um, they also dropped uh, their Men in Black 3 uh, commentary. So I'm like three quarters of the way through that. Um, I, I really... I love the first Men in Black. I don't like the second one. The third one, um, I like J- Josh Berlin in it more than anything else. Uh, so, like, listening to the commentary has been fun. Um, Movie-wise, uh, I caught a documentary that's from Florida called Path of the Panther. It's focused on uh, of the Florida panther, which is an endangered species of big cat here in Florida. Um, it's a great documentary. It has some amazing cinematography. The, the point of the story is really strong. Um, if it's uh, going to be on Disney plus, uh, in April 
and it's also uh, airing on National Geographic in April on like if, so if you have cable and you have that channel. Um, it's in theaters in some locations. I actually got to see a doc in a theater, which I don't always get to. And nice. I, I really enjoyed it. I was alone, but I did go at like a one o'clock on a Thursday. But uh, I sat alone in the theater and I was out loud talking to myself at times because I was really into it. <laughs> and I was really I was aware that I was alone. So I let I let it be like I was in my living room kind of thing. Um, yeah, uh, just really, really well made documentary. You want to push that as much as possible because it is fighting to save the the habitats of the panthers and the panthers themselves and i think it's just expertly done um really 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 good movie and again it's gonna be on disney plus so if you have that get ready add it to your your watch list um i i hope that's the case it's worldwide on disney plus i know for a fact in the states it's on disney plus in april uh i don't have an exact date it should be Um, we usually get the documentaries at the same time over here uh, so I went, uh, I had a critic screening for Dungeons and Dragons and that's, I went that Thursday, I, I was on spring break. So I went early. I saw Path of the Panther, saw Shazam, Fury of the Gods, and then immediately saw Dungeons and Dragons, Honor yeah. Among Thieves. I'm going to hold my comments on that film because uh, we will be covering that movie at the end of the month. Um, but I can't wait to talk about it. Uh, Matt, you've also already seen it. This has got to be... It's, uh- the longest gap from us both seeing a movie to talking about it on a podcast ever because we it's saw not it like, often that I saw it first as well, right? And that we have like a huge gap between recordings. Um, but <laughs> I, I think I'm going to see it again when it comes out before we record though, because it yes, will be yes. several weeks uh, behind my brain at that point. Same here. Um, I caught uh, on HBO Max uh, a movie from last year called "We're All Going to the World's Fair." Um, it's directed by a female director and I was, com- I was attempting to complete the other filmmakers challenge, yeah. which I might give up on, um, oh, things that feel like stress right now. I'm kind of like, I don't need more of it. Mm-hmm. And even yeah. though it's a relatively easy challenge, I'm having to like buy some of these movies and it's just like, you know what? Maybe I don't need to do a challenge right now. Um, That's fair enough. maybe I just need to watch stuff for fun if it's not like a critical thing. Right. Um, so I, partly too, because I didn't really like this movie that much. Um, <laughs> uh, it's it's horror, uh, which I do like a lot of horror, but it just I don't know. It it didn't click with me. It's it's kind of like it's not quite found footage, but it's kind of a found footage vibe. Like she's recording like a vlog. Uh, she's a streamer. It's got some some elements like that. I would pair with like eighth grade as far as that. El- like she's talking to like a YouTube channel kind of thing. It it oh man it did not pull me in and I was just like ready for it to be over so ninety one percent on RT that film's got yeah, it has a twenty six percent audience score yeah it, it's it's not quite um, I don't hate it like Skinnerink but I was not <laughs> into it um, and then last night our our uh, version of Cineworld Regal Cinemas had their mystery movie and nice. it was Paint um, the Owen Wilson uh, Bob Ross inspired. It is not a Bob Ross biopic. Uh, if you not see a, mistake, a poster, John, it was just a happy accident. That's all. Well, when you see the poster for this movie, I think it immediately will make you think it's a Bob Ross biopic. That's what I said to you. Is it? Is that the Bob Ross film? Yeah. Um, and I only knew it wasn't the Bob Ross film. Obviously, when you asked me that, I'd already seen it. But even before, I had learned just this week that it wasn't Bob Ross. I still thought it was like a legitimate like biopic but they maybe couldn't get the licensing to like say it was Bob Ross. That is not the case either. This is what if Bob Ross 
type character existed and it was he wasn't like what if there was something behind the scenes you know like for years there were legends about mr rogers being like uh, he was an ex-marine or whatever like there was all these like crazy stories about the man um this is almost like one of those like what if bob ross was like kind of not like a sexual deviant but you know maybe a little more he's it's i don't know i don't know how to explain it sean was with me when i saw it and a few minutes into the movie, he said it's sad Anchorman, and I can't get that out of my head. Like he's, it's the best description of what that movie is. It has so much Anchorman vibe. A lot of the themes that the movie's exploring are very Anchorman ish. Uh, yet it's got like a, a somber tone. Some parts made me really, really laugh. Some jokes didn't land, but I got to say, I just really enjoyed the vibe, man. Like I, I really like. I when I think on it, I'm like. It was just like a feel good film. Like I just, like, even though I'm saying it's sad, it's not like sad. Like you're going to cry. It's just like, Oh, this guy, he's, his <laughs> life is kind of tough. Um, but not really, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, yeah, but it's, it's, it's all self-inflicted toughness. So it's like, and I like Owen Wilson. I think he's, I've always enjoyed him on screen and it, it, there's nothing different here. Um, it's pleasant. It's a pleasant movie. Uh, it's all I can say. I, I I thought it was the Bob Ross film. I'd only seen, I don't even think I've seen any real footage from it. I've just seen images where Owen Wilson looks an awful lot like Bob Ross, and that's and he he has the afro, he has the classic white shirt, crisp white shirt. He has an easy, he has a and he has a palette and a paintbrush. I was like it's Bob Ross, and he's even got the kind of like his body's turned in the same way that Bob Ross does in his iconic shot. Uh-huh. Um, I remember watching those an awful lot. My dad used to do a lot of Bob Ross paintings back in the day, so. Um, that's a I was part hoping of the movie be, I, I was hoping it would be a bob a bob film but I, i'm still interested in it though jay but it doesn't it's, come out for another month over here definitely inspired by the the rise of bob ross memes and stuff like it's definitely <laughs> yeah. that um and it, it's not it's not great but it's definitely it's solid um uh, uh just a real quick update um big tuna is currently at the theater watching shazam fury of the gods for the first time uh he is not enjoying it um every once in a while i'll get a random message from sean that says i hate movies because a movie is irritating him so much that just happened so uh he's along with some of the other critics uh on fury of the gods so far he's only 30 minutes into it so i don't know how he can hate it so much already but something has happened where he's not enjoying himself um come on tuna but uh, lastly, um, I've, I've caught up on some shows. I've watched the first three episodes of Mandalorian, which is all that's out right now. Season three, season three of Mandalorian, um, which I, I will come back to that one. Uh, I watched the first episode of Ted Lasso season three, Matt, if you haven't jumped in on that yet, I highly recommend. I need to, I, I, I was so bummed when I realized they were doing weekly episodes. Cause I was like, no, I was so happy to be back with Ted Lasso. Um, I, I, the optimism that that show brings, never ceases to amaze me because I laugh hysterically and yet I feel better. Like I feel like hopeful and optimistic. Like the humor is not at the expense of people. Yeah. And I think that's just such a power to that show, especially three seasons in which from everything I've heard, this is supposed to be the final season. I've heard that too. And I think that's, I love the idea that a show is going to go out on top and not, you know, pushing past its limitations or being so concerned about the money of it and more about the story of it. I love seeing that. Cause again, that's the nature of this show. Like, and realistically, if you keep pushing it, I do think the character might get tired or, you know, like it's just gonna be more of the same. 
And I think yeah, they've, there's only they've so put, much you can do with with certain stories. Yeah, and I think they've pushed themselves into a good position to end here. Um, and then last night after I got back from paint, because uh, it was only a 90 minute movie, so I actually I got nice. home at like a relatively decent hour. Um, I decided to start Abbott Elementary, uh, which is here okay. on the states. It's uh, watchable on Hulu. Um, I've it's been on my radar for a while because it's it's a kind of office Parks and Rec style show as far as like the mockumentary but at a elementary school in new york um i think it's new york and man first episode i'm like yeah i'm, I'm definitely this is a show <laughs> for me as a teacher um it deals with a lot of things that i think all teachers have dealt with to some degree it has a lot of heart and that's something i think is important because so often teachers are painted as monsters in yeah. movies and shows um or overly even in the movies where the teacher's like overly heroic, like uh, Freedom Riders, or there's a TV movie with Matthew Perry called The Wrong Clark Story based on a real guy. Both of those are based on real people. They are always painted as these like saviors almost. Saints, and then yeah. other teachers in the school are usually depicted as these monsters that these are the rebel teachers who like care about students. And I think it it increases the uh, antagonistic relationship between teacher and students in real life. Um, students come into school having seen teachers be monsters or or the villains in, in their cartoons and stuff. So they look at us as enemies. And I do think some of my coworkers in my life, not my current ones, but through the time I've been teaching, which is over 16 years now, some teachers look at students as our enemies. Like we're, they're fighting us. We have to fight back. And I think this, this show does a really good job of painting a, a more realistic picture of how it should be and how it is for most teachers. Again, I'm not saying there aren't extremes out there. There definitely could be. But I think for the most part, people who teach, we're, we're doing it because we want to do it. It, it yeah. doesn't pay us enough to be the reason we're doing it, you know? Um, so, like, yeah, uh, I think this show so far, I'm only three episodes in, but I'm very, very into it. Um, all right, back to Mando. Because you also watched uh, episode three, but you've seen all three, obviously. Yes, I have. Um, yeah, I've I've seen all three, of course. Uh, I'm ready to watch part four when it comes out tomorrow. But part three was a deviation, which, as you know, what Star Wars fans are no different than Marvel, DC, or whatever else, uh, irrational with a lot of them. <laughs> and a lot of people said, this is awful. It's the worst Mandalorian episode I've ever seen. It's trying to be something else. It's trying to be Andor. And hell, it's hard not to get Andor vibes. But I said on the sessions recap last week that for me, the fact that it was set on a specific planet at one point is really where the Andor vibes came, started and ended for me. Because Andor, Andor was written very well. It was acted very well. Now, Mando is its own thing. It's much more pulpy. I don't expect great performances and great dialogue. It, it, it works because of what it is. I don't think it's trying to be Andor. And also when Andor was being written, so was this. I don't think they traded notes. But um, I, I thought episode three was very decent. I think it wasn't the best episode of the whole season or series, but I enjoyed it. I like, for me, as people know, I like when we're talking about, uh, into, uh, you know, worlds and series and that. I like when things connect, though. And like the Mandalorian, like the Star Wars timeline to me feels different than Marvel and DC a little bit more. Um, so I like how this connects up to the films that are coming up in, in universe in years to come, i.e. the ones we've just had. I dug it, my friend. Again, it, it, it wasn't the greatest one of the season or the series, but I enjoyed it. 
Yeah, I I didn't understand all of what was happening either because like this, some of these characters are only in the show what I remember like for a few seconds. And I'm like, wait, do yeah. I, am I supposed to know who that is? And I like vaguely remembered things. I mean, I didn't rewatch one or two season one or two before watching mm-hmm. season three, and it's been a minute. But um, yeah, it it threw me for a moment. But I I don't dislike it. I definitely was pulled. It's the most I liked Andor a lot, but it, it, Andor had to reel me back in to Star Wars because I kind of soured on it yeah um mando does that quicker because i do love pedro and i do love um i love grogu i have so much grogu stuff it's ridiculous um but i i can't deny that i've i've kind of worn and it 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 now feels like merchandising where like the first season i'm sure they knew that people were probably going to love grogu i don't know if they knew exactly how much i feel like i don't don't think any idea now it feels like they know and they, they're just creating new images to make us buy more stuff. And so it's a little, yes. the it's worn off some of the, uh, the charm, I think because of that, but still, I, I'm not, I'm not unhappy with the season so far. Uh, and I definitely am not like, I'm not like, oh, I'm not going to watch it. I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to watch the next episode. Um, I'm also, but I'm much more excited for Ted Lasso season three. So no, fair enough. No, I, I don't disagree with you there, JP as well. I'm, I, I still, I'm still digging it. Of course I am, but I'll always prefer season one at the minute to all of them because it, it was its own story with new characters and it was just doing its uh-huh. own thing. Whereas now the bigger it gets and the more connectivity it actually does have, it loses some of its identity somewhat. However, still digging it, my friend, because that's what we do as fans uh, in terms of me and my, my little fandom over there. But um, for me, JB, it's been a little less this week. I've been, I've been listening to um, Nightmare on film street podcast i've been listening to double toasted as usual i've been listening to a lot of things that's just kind of my podcast vernacular now it's just lots of different things um mainly stuck in horror really the horror show as well um mando season three as i mentioned episode three i've only seen two films outside of shazam fury of the gods jb now i've, I've seen one which i'm not going to talk about because i know we're going to be covering it on an upcoming show but the multimedia screening, UK press screening, multimedia screening of John Wick Chapter 4 happened very recently. I saw it. It's very long. <laughs> the first thing I'll say is about saying anything. We all know yeah. that. It's nearly three hours long, this damn film is. Um, but I saw that, and we're going to talk about it in a few weeks' time. So I'll save all of my thoughts for Chapter 4 of John Wick for then. However, however... I th- I hit up Altitude Distribution and thought, do you know what? I fancy some of that blood and honey. I don't often fancy blood and honey, John, but I fancied it this week. I'd heard that Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, was one of the worst films released in years, and it currently sits at 4% on RT. So I thought, I need to get me some of that. I want to see what it's all about. Oh, is man. it that bad? Jesus Christ, this is a bad film. And it is as well. And I don't know how anyone can watch it. Genuinely, no bluster, no... No uh, piggyback in here. I don't know anyone can watch this and say, yeah, that's a good film. It, it, it looks cheap as anything, and I know it's low budget, low slash no budget. It looks horrible. The acting is appalling. It basically, it's 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 just a shock jock film, basically. It's a film that exists to get, it's the, it's the ultimate novelty film. Kind of, you know, it's not, you know, Cocaine Bear looks like a masterpiece compared to this in terms of films that have a weird premise that exists just to entice people to the film. It's awful. It genuinely is a terrible film. It's badly made. It's badly um, produced. 
and I get it. It's Winnie the Pooh, you know. So it's in the public domain. They've made a Winnie the Pooh horror film, but it's not hard to think. You probably could have done more of this. You could probably could have made this something <laughs> really, you know. We've mentioned this so many times, JP, on the last few weeks with Cocaine Bear and another film, which I can't remember what it was now, but the midnight showing the cult classics this could have been it this could have been another one we could have had like three or two or three huge kind of midnight showing cult classic horror films this year already cocaine bear the other one which i can't remember and winnie the pooh blood and honey but genuinely abysmal and i know they make they want to make the one about bambi and things like that as well and i saw the director who i can't remember the director's name now but they said in an interview oh uh, I, it's a, I can't believe people think are taking this film seriously and are, you know, are, are, are critiquing it in, in, in it from a critical point of view. Uh, Reese Frake Waterfield, the director, it seems very much like backpedaling to me because yeah. the, the pre-release interviews were, you, you guys aren't going to believe what we've done here in this film, which is over 90 minutes long. Uh, it's, it's terrible, JB. It, you know, it, it's, it should really come as no surprise that it's not very good but it really is just genuinely kind of like what the hell were you trying to achieve other than a few headlines and maybe uh, a pretty good opening weekend because of word of mouth terrifier and terrifier 2 have no budget certainly the first one but they did but they made what damien leone did was something very very different to this you know he he focused on his villain of course but mm-hmm. he, he gave us memorable yet also disgusting moments. The characters may not have been the greatest, certainly in the first film, but they had so much more to them in this film. The second film went bigger and badder and dirtier and longer. It's, again, it feels like a it feels like the Godfather compared to this. So, oh man, you know, I'm sorry for listening, Seth Rogen. I've just put down. I've got, that was a bad review for a film that wasn't yours, but it, it genuinely isn't a good film. But there's going to be people out there who dig it for the novelty value and for the OTT brutality in it. But John, I was not one of them. Are you going to go and check it out? I'm not going to fight to see it. Like if it ever ends up on HBO or something, I will. And I have the access to it. I will. Um, not going to buy it. I, I'm disappointed because clearly the idea of a Winnie the Pooh horror movie was compelling enough that people made this a viral idea. Of course. Um, yeah. It's a shame that it was it, obviously they could do with something else, but it, now we'll always get this will be the first version of that that we got, and that's disappointing. Yeah, and hopefully the last. But um, if anyone out there dug it, please let us know. Um, so yeah, that was bloody awful. That film was, but this episode has been bloody awesome. But we can't sign off without extolling how we have been bloody awesome to each other and to all of you. So John, how have you been staying bloody awesome this week? So I. Um, last week on uh, Friday morning, I had a coffee slash breakfast hangout with um, listener of this show whose name I won't say, but uh, she she listens, so she'll hear this. But nice. um, hey, socializing in general. In fact, I, I actually socialized a couple times last week, but that um, we we were originally said coffee, but neither of us had breakfast, so the place we met also had breakfast. And Matt, I got this a Cuban breakfast sandwich, so it's. Imagine a Cuban like sandwich pressed with the ham and the, the pork and everything, but with eggs on it. Um, and it was fantastic. I, I was like, okay, I, I found a new favorite Cuban. Um, Sounds just, great. It was real good. Uh, and the coffee was good. Um, but we, we, we ended up sitting there and talking for like three hours. And uh, she's also a teacher. Um, 
a, a longtime friend of mine, uh, someone who I, I feel like I've learned more talking to her over the years uh, about history and about uh, being a teacher than I have with a lot of other people. And so the conversation was needed and great. It was, I think, mutually uh, therapeutic and um, yeah, it's the end of our spring break. So like it was, you know, getting our heads back into the game. Um, it was just a really good conversation. And, you know, sometimes, especially I schedule myself really tight where like, I have like, I have to work from this time to this time. Then I have the podcast recording. I got to watch this movie to rewrite this review and I got to write the review and then I got to do. So like my days sometimes get overstuffed and, and it's an old tried expression to say, stop and smell the roses. But that's kind of what Friday felt like. We sat there for three hours and there was probably things I should have been doing or could have been doing, but I needed to have a conversation with another person uh, who had his like views and is, um, you know, but different like side of the world, like where her focus of, of her attention goes is not the same place that mine goes. Uh, and she, she brought up a, a book Fahrenheit 451, which most people have read. I had never mm-hmm. read. Um, it was not in my, as a high school student, we read 1984 instead. Um, uh, but I, I, uh, I, downloaded the audiobook and I listened to it in one day because uh one uh Fahrenheit four fifty one audiobook was read by Tim Robbins. So who's nice. A tremendously talented actor and he's yes. great in the audiobook. Um and it was only five hours. So I'm like, I'm just gonna knock this out today. Like I'm gonna read a whole book in a day. Of course I didn't read it per se, but you know um your audio book game is strong. Dude, it's one of my favorite novels now though. Like I, I really clicked with it. It uh it's troubling, but it's really, really good. So yeah, that was uh, that's what I've been doing. Say bloody awesome was coffee talk, as I'm calling it. What about you? No, well, I, I dig that man. I hear what you mean. Isn't it great to sit down with someone, have a coffee, and just either talk, get all philo- philosophical or deep, or just talk crap? So it is. It, it soothes the soul more than most things, I think. And there really is there really is merit to the phrase that it's good to talk. So uh, good on you, my friend, and sh- shout out to the mystery listener out there. I hope you're listening to this and I've got to ask John before I move on. What coffee did you have? Oh man. I wish I had the, the full on uh, version. Cause they, they're the place we ate at is themed um, like Western kind of vibe. Nice, yep. it, it's very, it's a weird hipster place. Cause it, it's only open from like eight to three. It's a tap house and coffee shop. So there's like, you know, they have like almost microbrew level beer there. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. Obviously not for eight in the morning, but like for the lunchtime. Um, <laughs> but then they have like a, a full on coffee shop and whatever I got, the latte had cayenne pepper in it. That was one of the oh, things wow. that sold me. I was like, Ooh, a little bit of sweet and spice. It was good. Um, I can't remember what it's called though, but it was something like this, this and cayenne pepper. That's the, the one thing that Damn. when I'm looking at their menu of specialty coffees, I'm like, I want the one with the cayenne pepper in it. Cause that sounds cool. So it was good i dig it no it sounds like it sounds like a hip version of a chai latte which i've been digging recently especially when starbucks put two x in my name for no reason um <laughs> so my, my and jb is much less um social at the minute than yours was but mine is simply uh prep for star wars celebration big star wars event coming to london it's coming home for the first time in seven years uh next in about two wow in about 17 days time and it's about now it was about getting a last minute accommodation sorted I already had some done but 
it was like a 20, 25 minute walk from the venue. And, you know, I'll be damned by walking through any part of London at that time of night by myself. Um, not that it's particularly dangerous area, but safety first, safety second. Uh, the BAMP, I couldn't leave the BAMP, my friend, one man down. Um, and just like getting things ordered, getting our schedule sorted out, getting together with my co-host and I, actually, as it turns out, having a coffee and having, having fun and just getting what we need to do ready for the big event so we can ensure we have as much fun as possible when it comes to it rather than being too worky. But uh, hearing that JB is heading off to a festival as well got me jealous before going on air, but then I remembered, well, I've got a celebration coming up. So, you know, every cloud. So that's what I've been doing, JB. It's a bit kind of, bit of admin. There you go. Got to prep. go. And uh, that's it then for this episode of the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Let us know what you thought about the episode, about our thoughts on it. Were we too harsh? Were we too, too full of praise? Too effusive in our kind words? Or was it just a bit meh? Find, tell us online. Find us on Twitter at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. Uh, John, where are we on Instagram? We're at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. And if you're on the Metaverse Facebook, we're just at Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. If you want to find me online, you can do. Just search for whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or head on over to any of the social medias and look for What I Watch Tonight and you'll find my face. And that does include Letterboxd as well. Whereabouts are you, JB? I'm at BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all the social media platforms. Yep, go check out JB, and uh, he's got a lot of work coming up, so be sure to go and check that out. Uh, if you like what you're hearing with the show, and we really hope that you are, please do leave us a five-star rating and review on your podcast provider of choice. If you're on Spotify, it's literally, just scroll up, it's right there, just press those five stars. You don't even have to stop listening. That would be great. It helps the show grow. It gets more listeners in, it bumps us up the algorithm, and hey, we're all film fans. Let's be film fans together. But with that, as always, stay bloody awesome. And keep watching movies. Blood, 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 bloody, 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 blood, blood, bloody. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Blah, 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 bl